Hey, you're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in and around the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles throughout the week. And then we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Make and Multiply. This is episode four of season two, and we are working our way through some of the one another commands of the New Testament. In this episode, I want to talk about the flip side of last week's episode. So these two go together. Last week, we talked about confessing our sins to one another. This week, I want to talk about the command that we see in places like Ephesians 4.32 to forgive one another. Confession and forgiveness go together hand in glove, confession and forgiveness. And this is how we maintain relationships. Any relationship, whether it's between parents and children, between siblings, between husband and wife, between um, members of a church, members of an MC, uh, this is how we maintain healthy relationships and remain in fellowship with one another. I think I talked about this last week. First John 1, 7 says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of his son Jesus covers all of our sin. So how do we enjoy fellowship with one another? We walk in the light. Walking in the light means being honest with God and with each other about our sin. Our sin ultimately is against God. And anytime you put sinners in community, they're going to sin against each other. And so sin puts us out of fellowship, but we have fellowship with one another through the blood of Jesus by confessing our sins to one another. And then the flip side of that, the response to that is to forgive one another. So listen to the situation that Paul describes in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. In Ephesians 4, he's, uh, giving a bunch of practical specific examples where he's following this, this pattern, putting off putting on, put this away, replace it with this. And he describes a whole cluster of relational sins here in verse 31 when he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That's what you're supposed to put off, put away. And then verse 32, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. He says virtually the same thing in Colossians 3.13. If one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. So these relational sins uh, crop up anytime you have people in community, in relationship, bitterness, wrath, anger. All of those words are describing um, this intense displeasure, uh, hurt and offense and resentment that comes um, in relationship. Clamor and slander is describing uh, the reaction out of that anger, out of that hurt and offense. Uh, Clamor is loud shouting, probably angry outbursts and, and quarreling, angry quarreling that comes out. Slander is abusive, insulting speech. Malice is ill will, a desire to harm the other person, to get back at them. So, Paul's speaking to Christians in the church in Ephesus and he's saying, let all these things be put away from you. But he only says that if 
those things crop up in community. Uh, one of my favorite metaphors for for all of this maintaining relationships um, is this parable that, that one author tells. He says, think about two houses side by side, same floor plan, same square footage, same size family, same number of family members in each home. Uh, both of those houses are going to get dirty, messy at the same rate. Um, same number of shoes coming in the door, uh, same number of dishes being used each day. But if you visit one house and you find that it's a wreck and you visit the other and everything is spick and span, uh, what's the difference between the two? They, they both get dirty at the same rate, but you know that in one of those houses, the dishes get washed regularly. Uh, the clothes are washed and put away regularly. Things are dusted. The floor is swept and vacuumed. So the difference is not that one house gets dirty and the other one doesn't get dirty. It's that they both get dirty and one of them is is cleaning up. That That's so powerful for thinking about all of our relationships, for marriage, uh, for parenting, for uh, just walking in fellowship with other believers in the church. Sin is going to happen. We're going to sin against each other. What do we do with that? How do we handle that biblically? Dysfunctional, unhealthy ways of dealing with relational sin uh, would be things like bottling it up, suppressing it, um, spreading it around, gossiping. But confession and forgiveness is how we pick up. It's how we do the dishes, so to speak. It's how we stay on top of the mess so that it doesn't pile up and become a wreck. So Paul says, let all of those sins, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice, let all those be put away from you and in their place put on kindness to one another, tenderheartedness. You can't be tenderhearted and warm and affectionate towards somebody while also harboring bitterness and resentment toward them. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. So those bitter fruits come from a, a root of bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 speaks of bitterness that way. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the, the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So there's this, this root of bitterness that that uh, results in all kinds of other bitter fruit. James 3, 14 through 16 talks about how bitter jealousy in your hearts produces disorder and every vile practice. Bitter jealousy in the heart produces all kinds of vile practices that come out uh, of people. So bitterness is a root that produces bitter fruit. It has to be dealt with. It has to be replaced with kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness for one another. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. So uh, I have been greatly helped in this area by an article uh, by Jim Wilson called How to Be Free from Bitterness. I've used this in tons of biblical counseling that I do. I'm amazed that whatever the presenting issue is, uh, whether we're talking about uh, depression, anxiety, pornography, marital conflict, whatever the presenting issue is, at some point I end up recommending this article. And here's why. Jim Wilson points out uh, in this, and you can find it, just Google how to be free from bitterness and Jim Wilson, you'll find it. Uh, Wilson points out guilt is what we feel when we sin. So you sin, you feel guilty about that. Bitterness is what we feel when others sin against us or when we perceive that somebody has has wronged us, sinned against us. And that's one of the things that makes bitterness tricky. Someone else 
sinned. So we know what to do when we sin. We confess that to God. But when someone else sins, uh, we tend to get stuck because we're focusing on the other person's sin and thinking about what they need to do different to deal with their own sin. And as we play this over in our minds, bitterness grows into deep resentment, which grows into hatred, which ultimately, Scripture warns us, grows into murder. So it's a super serious thing. Uh, Bitterness can ruin people's lives. Maybe you can think of someone, maybe you yourself have experienced this uh, bitterness that just kind of poisons and infects everything about you. Um, Mike Emlett says, we're always relating to each other as some combination of sinner, sufferer, and saint. That's how I think about this, that um, as sinners, we feel guilt. As sufferers in the world, uh, we feel bitterness. We suffer because other people sin against us. We suffer, sometimes it's not some moral sin, but just frustrations, setbacks, in life, and that can produce bitterness toward God. It's in that realm of suffering where bitterness comes up. Either we think that God has wronged us or somebody else has wronged us, and that's that's bitterness. That's how to recognize it. And because we feel bitter when others sin against us, and because sin is actually wrong, then what makes this such a, a sticky thing is that we always feel justified in our bitterness, because we can think about just how wrong the other person's sin actually is. And as we meditate on the wrongness of their sin, the evil of their sin, we feel justified in remaining bitter. And yet the command in Ephesians 4.31 is let all bitterness be put away from you. So how do we do that? Well, again, and this is an insight from Jim Wilson, um, we get stuck in in bitterness because we're stuck focusing on the other person's sin. And, and so we tend to think, I can't get out of this until that person stops sinning in that way or until that person recognizes that he sinned against me and comes and apologizes or until he changes or whatever. That person has to do something and until he does something, I can't get over it. But the good news is you can actually be free from bitterness right now, immediately, the moment you realize that your bitterness is your own sinful response to someone else's sin against you. And you recognize that, that your bitterness is your sin and you're responsible for that. That person who sinned against you is responsible for his sin. You are responsible for your own sinful response of bitterness. When you recognize that, acknowledge it, confess it to God as sin, then you can immediately experience and enjoy freedom from bitterness. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, the way to be free from bitterness is to first yourself be forgiven of your own bitterness. And if you're tempted to think, well, I'm, I'm not bitter, that may be true. Here's one way to check, uh, again, from Jim Wilson. He, he says, bitterness remembers details. So a rule of thumb, how, how do you know if you're bitter? Is there someone who comes to your mind, some relationship that's gone cold or sour, where you can still recall the details, um, maybe with alarming clarity, what that person did, what they said, uh, the look on their face, the the offense committed against you, and maybe it was years and years ago. Bitterness remembers 
details. Think about all the the stuff that you've experienced in your life and how many things you've forgotten. Why is it that you can recall that with such clarity? Uh, One reason is because we remember what we replay, what we rehearse and relive in our own minds. And bitterness is this uh, dwelling on the hurt, the offense that comes from someone else's sin against us. So if you can remember details of what that person did to you that so hurt you, so offended you, then you're bitter. And there's good news. You can be free from that bitterness by acknowledging it, confessing it to God as sin. And Paul says, put off bitterness and in its place, put on kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiving one another. That describes the attitude you should be able to experience toward that person when you deal with your own bitterness, kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. How in the world does that happen? Well, Paul says, forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. So it begins with God's forgiveness of your sin. All of our interpersonal forgiveness comes out of God's forgiveness of us through Christ Jesus. So that's our pattern. How does God forgive us? In in what way? What, What does that look like when God forgives us? Well, Jeremiah 31, 34 says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. God, who is omniscient, all knowing, chooses not to remember your sin. Uh, He says the same thing in Isaiah 43, 25. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. That is a massive Uh, assurance, comfort to us. He blots out and does not remember our sins. Micah 7, 19, he uses this this powerful imagery. Uh, You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Or Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So God removes them, buries them in the depths of the sea, remembers them no more, no longer counts them against us. So that's that's the attitude that we experience when we put away bitterness, wrath, anger, and we forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. I think a great summary of all of this comes from Ken Sandy in his book, The Peacemaker, when he gives four promises of forgiveness. And I've shared this with many people, uh, and I encourage you to apply this in your own home, in your own relationships. Uh, When somebody confesses their sin to you, the appropriate response is to forgive, to say, I forgive you. And by that, we mean at least these four things, these four promises. Ken Sandy sums all of this up with. First promise, I will not dwell on this incident. Bitterness, dwells on it, replays it, rehearses it, and relives the offense of it over and over again. Forgiveness promises, I will not dwell on this incident. Second promise, I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. Uh, That's what bitterness does. It keeps bringing it up. And then in relationship, it brings it up and it holds it over the other person's head. You always do this, or you did this years ago, and that would, that's just like you to do this. Uh, Forgiveness promises, I, I will never bring this up. Just like God has buried my sin in the depths of the sea, he nailed my sin to the cross when Jesus became sin for me and he was nailed to the cross, I will not bring this incident 
up again and ever use it against you. Third promise, I will not talk to others about this incident. That, that's the temptation when we're bitter. Either we, we suppress it within ourselves and it just poisons us on the inside and corrodes our own soul and or we spread it around. We talk to others about the hurt and the offense and then other people start to, to carry that offense. They're offended for us because of what somebody else did. But forgiveness promises, I'm not gonna talk to others about this. I'm gonna blot it out, I'm not gonna remember it or bring it up with others. And fourthly, uh, I will not let this incident hinder our personal relationship. That's when fellowship is restored. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And so that sin no longer stands between us. Restored fellowship. When, when sin is dealt with biblically, it's confessed to those uh, against whom we've sinned, and then it's forgiven. And then we're restored into fellowship. And coming back into fellowship is two-sided. It, it, it really does require both confession and forgiveness because you can't be in fellowship with someone who is still actively sinning against you. But here's the thing. Uh, even if that person who sinned against you has not yet owned that, acknowledged that, or stopped sinning against you, you may not be able to come back into fellowship with them, but you don't have to be bitter. You don't have to be dwelling on what they did to you. You can be ready to forgive. You can deal with your own bitterness by confessing that to God as sin and being forgiven for your bitter response. And then you're ready to forgive. You're disposed to forgive that person if and when they come to you and ask for forgiveness. So uh, one author says forgiveness should be like a, a well-aged bottle of wine. So it's it's getting better with age. It's, it, it's getting better, not bitter. Uh, and, and you are ready to to open that bottle of wine with that person uh, as soon as they come back into fellowship with you by confessing. So confession and forgiveness go together. Uh, and in this way, God's grace maintains our fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, covers us from all of our sin. And we experience fellowship with God and with one another. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles, missional communities, or gospel fluency, please email me at ryan at EmmausRoadSF.com. And if you're not currently part of a huddle or MC, let me know and I would love to help you get connected.